0: Today we're covering Body 31 in the last verse Guruji talked about the Maya the mother of creation and the three aspects of creation creation which has been referred to as a distraction can always be broken down into three different forms. And Guru also alluded to the fourth state, Durya, the Chautapad, that final state when you have transcended all three layers of Maya. The question is, what is that fourth state? What will your experience be? A question that's often asked by people on the spiritual journey is how can I live if I have no ego? When all we've ever known is me, when the only way that we've ever seen the world is through the lens of I, then it seems to be beyond comprehension how one can live without the I, where there is no me, and whether that's even possible. It sounds like a death. And death is always something that we've feared, and death is always something that we've misunderstood. Because we see death as the end. So, to be able to continue to live after this death sounds illogical. What will it be like? How will I live? How will I talk? How will I eat? How will I interact with others? How do I refer to myself? Can I say I if I have no ego? What will my motivation be in life? Will I have a reason to get out of bed, to go to work, to look after my family? So these are the kind of questions that race through the mind of the spiritual seeker. And because we don't have an answer to any of these questions, because we don't know what that experience will be like. And because we rarely come across anyone who lives without an ego, we convince ourselves that this isn't actually possible. Or we convince ourselves that this kind of rest, this kind of death is too unknown. It's too risky. It's not worth doing something so deep because we just don't know how far it'll go. So what we do is we pretend to be religious. That's as far as our ego allows us to go. That's the comfort level that we live within. We keep up appearances within societies. We may look like we're doing all the right things on the outside, but we never really take that inner plunge, that final step. So here Guruji helps us by describing the fourth state. And Guru starts by saying, Asana loe loe pandar. The word asana means your place, your position. In yoga, all the different positions are called asana. It can also mean a throne where the king resides, where the king sits. So it's your seat, your position your home, your place, where you belong. Asana, loe, loe. The word loe comes from lok, lok and parlok, the realms, the spiritual realms. In today's language, we like to translate that to mean the stars and the planets and the galaxies and so forth. So Guru is saying, asana, loe, loe, pandar. The word loe loe, which gets repeated, is an example of a type of language, a use of language, we can call it a rhetorical device, which is referred to as Dehli Deepak. And we've seen an example of this type of word used before, where the word and the meaning of the word is attached to the words before it and to the words after it. An example we saw previously was patala patal lak agasa agas So the word "luck" is another Dehli Deepak word Where the patala patal are luck, hundreds of thousands And the words afterwards are also related to "luck agasa agas are also related to the word "luck." So the word in the middle is describing the thing in the beginning And at the end of the sentence so here we also see Asana loe loe pandar. And pandar here is spelt without an ankar. At the very last letter, it doesn't have an ankar. So we call this a mukta word, which takes a masculine singular word and makes it plural. So the word pandar means wealth. So this is a plural word for wealth. In English we would still say the word wealth, meaning something that is multiple. So the singular word would be pandar with an ankar. Here it's a plural word. So Guru is saying asana loe loe. The position of that divine, the throne of the divine is amongst the all the stars and the galaxies and all the worlds, the higher and the lower worlds. And all of its wealth is also in those places. The place of the divine is everywhere and the wealth of the divine is everywhere. If we were to translate this line, we would say the resting place, the asana, is in the realms upon realms, as is the stores of wealth. Asana loe loe brandar. Now, in our life, our entire life revolves around one or two things, and they're our bodies and the home in which our bodies reside. Almost everything we do in life is to sustain either our physical home which is our body, or the home, which we call our shelter. Almost everything we do is to maintain and sustain our body and our home, our house, and our closest, nearest and dearest friends and families who live nearer to us within our home. Everything we do is is just around them, is around protecting that home. This is what we call our wealth. We even say that the health of our body is real wealth. Health is wealth. So if you have a big, strong, healthy body, that is wealth. And if you have a big, impressive house, that you also see as your wealth. So this is our measure of our richness. This is our pandar. But Guru has mentioned this word a few times now, this pandar. In verse 26, Guru Nanak Dev Ji describes the priceless traders and the fact that they trade in this priceless commodity. Amul gun, amul 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 pandar. The invaluable qualities, the invaluable dealings, invaluable traders of this invaluable commodity. So he's talked about a different kind of commodity, a different kind of wealth before. In verse 29, when Guru was debating with the yogis and the yogis had one of their own people who would look after all of their stock, all of their things, cook for them, look after them. Guruji talked about them. Pogat gyan daya pandaran. Wisdom is the food, compassion is the cook. In verse 30, Guruji says, ik sansari ik pandari. One creator and one pandari, the one who sustains the wealth. So Guru has talked about this pandar word a few times now. Here Guru is is elaborating on what is this pandar and where do we find this pandar. What is that commodity that the saints are, are really trading in? Guru says, asana loe loe pandar. Loe loe means space and time all the realms and all the galaxies this is the place where God resides the divine resides in every space throughout space and time this is where the oneness resides in all time and all space in all places and all realms within it and beyond it this is where the divine is this is what the divine is the word loe also can mean light, light energy. So we can also translate this line to say that the oneness exists within the energy of life, within light, within the light of the universe. Here we are specifically talking about the aliveness of the universe, not the spectrum of light. We're not talking about electromagnetic waves, the visible light that we can see. Light here means the energy of the universe and this is where the divine lives. That's his place. That's where the oneness exists, in the energy of life. And why is Guru talking about this after talking about transcending maya? Because this is our real home too. This is where we really live. But we've restricted ourselves so much. We've restrained ourselves, confided ourselves, we've confined ourselves just to our body mind consciousness. We think that our body and our mind is our home. And your mind knows that this is too restrictive. Your mind feels this restriction all the time. This is why your mind is always looking for something more. This is why your mind is always looking outwards. Because the body alone isn't enough. And even if the body is accepted as the home, the mind says, well, let's make this body better. Let's make it more beautiful, more strong, more healthy, more fit. It's always doing something. And when it's done everything that it can to the body, then it starts decorating the home around it, the home in which the body lives. So the mind is always looking outside because the mind knows that what you've done is too restrictive. I can't be restricted in this. The mind always wants to go out. And the reality is nobody satis- satisfied with their own body and nobody satisfied with their own home. They always want more. So the mind is always feeling this agitation, this restriction, always wanting more, more beautiful, more possessions, more bigger things. And the reason for this is because the desires are there because the mind knows that it is not meant to be restricted. There's some innate knowing within us that knows that we can't be confided in all of these things. We can't be constrained in all of these things. We can't be restricted to these things. The body is too small for the limitless nature of the mind. And this is why we continue to look outwards. Because out there feels a lot bigger than in here. Out there feels more. Like there's always more out there. It's more bigger. It's more bountiful. There's more out there than there is in here. And this is what our mind is constantly doing. And so, when we talk about going within ourselves, the mind can't comprehend that idea. The mind seems to think that going within ourselves is almost as appealing as walking into a cold, dark, damp cave. As though there is, what, what could there possibly be of interest just sitting within myself? The world is interesting. There's lots of shiny, sparkly things to keep your mind active but inside the mind can't comprehend what is what is so appealing about sitting within yourself so there is this impression that when we go within ourselves, that it's going to be lonely dark barren and so for that reason the mind never enters into that space it's not interested there is nothing appealing there it feels even unnatural at first And the mind thinks that the joy of meditation can't compare to the joy of the world. The world surely has more interesting things than what you can offer to yourself sitting within yourself. Think about the riches of the world. Think about all of the glamour and the delights, all the temptations for your mind to run after, to aspire towards the richness. And after all, how long can you sit by yourself? How long can you sit alone? How long can you sit in this cold, dark cave of meditation? The mind knows that there is something here that doesn't feel right. It feels unnatural. And the mind also knows that even if you were to meditate, even if there was a bliss of meditation, the bliss would be short-lived. It doesn't last. Even though the bliss of everything else is also short-lived, the mind seems to easily forget that. The thrills outside, even though they don't last, the mind is happy to run after those. But the thrill of sitting within yourself, the mind says, yeah, I did that last week, I did it last month. I know what it's like. There's no reason to go back to that. There's no excitement. The mind is always trying to find excitement. But meditation in reality is so much more than just sitting quietly within yourself. It's a journey of rediscovery. It's a journey of finding out what you really are. And this discovery has to start within yourself. You can't start this journey somewhere else. It's a journey of finding out what you are. What is your home? What is your place? What is your asana? What is that space with which you identify with? When we talk about non-duality, that's another term that's very misunderstood. Non-duality is a term that's very easily misunderstood. We hear concepts like, I am not the body. We hear concepts like, I am not my thoughts, I am not my mind. We hear concepts like, you and me are one. But the reality is, this isn't our experience. This isn't how we live every day. Our experience is this body-mind consciousness. We experience our body we experience our mind. We experience living within the body. This is our home. This is what we think our home is. We think our home is the mind lives within the body. So the mind thinks, I am this body. I am this mind. How can I be anything more than this? So when it hears concepts about non-duality, it sounds Nice. It sounds appealing, but the reality is our mind is saying, this is not my experience. My experience tells me I am just a body and I am just a mind. So if we were to ask you, where do you live, where do you reside? You would say, this is where I live. I live here in this body. My mind lives within this body. And because this is all we know, Because this is all we think we know, we don't know how to navigate through non-duality. We don't know how to unravel non-duality. We don't know how to decipher these concepts. And they remain just intellectual concepts rather than a lived experience. So as long as we function through this experience of me, as long as the whole perspective with which we live our life is through the experience of me, then the only thing that we can experience is the limitation of me, this body, this mind. We only experience our own limitations. Now this is why Sikhi is not the path of me. This is why the Gurus and the Saints have made this a path of you. With me, there can be limitations. But with you, there can be no limitations. That divine, sacred you that is everywhere has no limitations. We know our own limitations. We know I am restricted to this body. I am restricted to this mind. But with you, that's where infinity starts coming in. Me is here, but you is everywhere. And the way we need to understand how we can transition from me to you is to see the me like we would the shell of an egg. Me or the experience of me is like a closed egg. And with an egg, what is in the inside can't interact with the outside, and what is with the outside can't interact with the inside. There is no going in or out from that egg. There's no way in and there's no way out. But an egg is not a permanent thing. It's only a temporary home. And as long as the chick is within the egg, that's all it ever knows. When the chick is inside the egg, its entire universe is defined by that egg, by the limitation of that egg. That is its home, that is all it knows, that is its entire experience. For the chick, the entire egg is the universe. Because it knows nothing else, it hears nothing else, it sees nothing else. So what needs to be done? At some point, a desire arises within the chick that says, this home is not enough anymore. This experience that I have of the universe is no longer enough. And the natural desire arises to know more than what it knows currently. The shell must be cracked for the bird to be released. And no one will do it for you. The chick from within the shell, from within the egg, starts to crack the shell starts to peck away at the layer of its universe you have to crack your own shell you have to come out of your own limitations of your home and when we meditate when we use a mantra like tuhi tuhi this is you this is you That's you gently cracking the shell of your ego, of the me identity. You have to break away from the shell of me. And when you break away from that shell, when the chick comes out of the shell, then the shell is no longer his home. When you break free from me, then me is no longer your home. Me is no longer your limitation. Me is no longer the thing with which you identify with. That's the old you. That's the old home. When a bird is free from its shell, when it sees the entire universe, then why would it want to go back into the shell? Where is the desire to go back into the comfort, the old way of living? Once it is known, the whole universe around it, then it can no longer fit back into that shell. As soon as the chick comes out, within a couple of minutes it starts to grow, it starts to puff up to the point at which it can now no longer fit within that old shell. This is the limitation of me. Once you break past it, you can't go back into the shell of me. Now you have set yourself free. Now you are free to roam. Now you are free to fly. Once the shell has been cracked, you can no longer be contained by it. So, The me still remains at this point. But what we've done is broken the barrier between me and you. The shell is still there. But now there's a hole, there's a crack. There's a way to get out of that shell. There is an inside and there is an outside. But the gap has been created. The bridge between the two worlds has been created as soon as you cracked that shell. Before you cracked the shell, you weren't aware of the outside. You weren't aware of the you, you were only aware of the me. Once you break the shell of me, once you know the taste of you, then me and you start to become interchangeable. This is the wall of separation that needs to be torn down between me and you. Guru Nanak Dev Ji said right at the beginning of give Sahib, How can we do this? How do we break this wall? We have to know what the wall is. We have to know what the limitations of that wall is. And we have to know how that wall can be broken down. So now we take on a new shell. But the shell that we take on is not the shell of the limitation of me. It is the unlimited shell. When the chick comes out, he's no longer so restrained. He has a new home, but his new home is the whole world. It's unlimited. You've moved from a limited home into an unlimited home. And the reality is that this is where the shell has been the whole time. The egg has always existed in the world but the chick inside the egg just didn't know of the world. It didn't know of the outside. It only knew what was inside. And the reality is that you live within the divine but right now Within the cracked shell, you can't know that there is a divine. When you crack the shell, you'll realize that the divine has always been there. It's not something new, it's something that's always been there. You may be new, but the outside has always been there. So the me that used to block everything has now been opened. And now there is a bridge between the me and the you. Now the me is part of the you and the you is part of the me. The inside and the outside are no longer separated. So the mind will continue to exist. Your body will continue to exist. But now there is no longer a barrier between me and you. That barrier has been broken. Your home is now no longer the me. Your real home is now the you. and what a home this is. Think about the chick who only knew the home of the egg. When he sees the real world, it's not comparable. No chick will say, I want to go back. The tightness and the restriction of the shell was better. Now they know the idea of going back to the egg never even occurs to them. And this is our experience. When we lose the ego, that is the experience of the non-ego, of this unending wealth, this beautiful universe that you never knew existed is now suddenly inside you and outside you. And what needs to happen is this consciousness that we have that's restrained within our body, when you feel that consciousness pour out from the restriction of the body, then you can't go back. You don't want to go back. This new way of living is so rich, is so fulfilling, is so fresh, it never gets old. And this is what Guruji is saying, the wealth of my new home. The Pandar. The light and life of the universe is now my place, and this is my wealth. This is a never ending wealth, Pandar. What you have available to you is unlimited, abundant euphoria. So, all we have to do in order to access this is to ask this fundamental question, where do I reside? Where do I live? Ask yourself at any moment, right now, where am I? Am I in the limitation of me or am I in you? If you are in the me, then invoking you through Naam Simran is your ticket out of me. Whenever you feel, I'm in me, I feel trapped, I feel restricted. The way out of that is nam. Nam is the key that opens the door. The meditation of this is you, this is not me, this is you. Remember when we're doing Mantar jaap, we're not calling Mr. God who is somewhere else. We are realizing the presence that is everywhere is also in this me. When you feel restricted, when you feel like there's no way out, Nam becomes your connection, Nam becomes the bridge, Nam becomes the sledgehammer that breaks the wall of me. And what you get is this life-giving fulfillment. And this wealth is there in you already and it's in everyone. It's here, everywhere, all the time. The wealth exists in all places and in all beings. Asana, loe, loe, pandar. The wealth, the pandar, is in all places, in all space and all time. And what is this wealth? How do we understand what this wealth is? The wealth is what your mind has always desired. Through nam, the wealth that you get is this richness of life, this fulfillment, this constant happiness. So when Gurbani talks about losing yourself, when Gurbani says, lose your ego, lose your home, lose your self-identity, it isn't actually a losing. Because what you've given up is just the mere shell of me. But what you get is the entire world opened up to you. Your entire experience, you're in fact losing your restriction. You're losing your shackles. You're losing your chain. You're losing the prison that you've been living in and you gain so much more. This is the wealth, the Pandar. Denda De Juga khai. The giver keeps giving. And for ages amongst ages we continue to consume this wealth. Asan loe loe pandar jokichpaya so ekavar. Jokichpaya. Whatever has been placed there, so ekavar. We've seen this word var before, and it's worth refreshing our memory as to what the meanings can be of this word var. So the first example of var has an ankar on the last letter and that means day. We see an example of that in the days of the week. So that's a masculine singular word. When we take the ankar away from the word var then it can mean days the plural but it can also mean vari in punjabi we use the word vari that is the feminine version of that word which means your turn or it's your time. And we saw an example of this right at the beginning of Japji Sahib. Soche je sochi lakh Many times. We also have var spelt with a sihari At the end of the last word. At the end of the last letter. And there that means sacrifice. Which comes from the word varya. Varya na java ek vaar. That's where we've seen varya and vār, one time, vār, varya means to sacrifice. So here, looking at these different spellings, we can understand that Guru isn't talking about days, because if you were to say eka vār, one day, it would have to be spelt with an ankar, because it's one day. You can't say eka vār means one days grammatically that doesn't work so we understand exactly that this word var without an ankerd is the feminine version which means one time once only once so whatever was placed into this store of wealth into this treasury of wealth was done so only once What Guru is saying here is the wealth that you are now experiencing having broken the shell of your ego, that wealth was only stocked once and doesn't need to be replenished. Any other wealth, any other warehouse, the stock will run out. This is a warehouse of unlimited wealth. It only needs to be stocked once. Jokichbaya, whatever has been placed into that treasury of wealth, only needed to be stocked once. So ikavar, this wealth of the universe isn't going to run out for you. The bliss of the non-ego experience is not a temporary high. No other experience in the universe can keep you going. No other happiness in life lasts forever. No other intoxication will keep you intoxicated. No other pleasure continues giving. Everything wears off. The pleasure, the experience of the non ego, is the only thing that continues to give. and it only needed to be stocked once. Your misery has a solution, and the solution is already here. The solution has already been given. The shelves have already been stocked with the antidote. And they were there from the moment that you were created. The moment creation was created, But you don't need to obtain this. This isn't a product that you need to go somewhere else to buy. This is something that is already within you. The solution to your misery is already there within you. You don't need to obtain it. You just need to live it. You just need to see that it's there. You need to experience that it's there. You need to be it. And remember, asana loe loe, it resides in light of all, and it resides in the light of you. So you don't need to do anything to gain your own light. You already are that light. In fact, that light is what feeds you. That light is what is keeping you alive. That light is what has created you, that light is what sustains you. You may need wealth in order to feed your physical body. In order to feed your body, you need material wealth. But this light doesn't need your wealth. This light is your wealth. It is so rich that it feeds you. It feeds your aliveness. You don't need to do anything to feed this. That is the meaning of the word seipang that Guru Nanak Devji introduced right at the beginning in the Mool Mantar. It is self-illuminating, self-sustaining. It keeps itself going and it keeps everything else going. We talk about renewable energies. Scientists are always on the lookout for An energy source that won't run out. This is something that we have within us life energy. Your body may die, but the life energy never dies. Energy can't be destroyed, only transferred. And it is here and it is yours for the taking. but there's a price to pay. If you want this commodity, you have to give your self-identity. That's the charge, that's the fee. For the chick to experience daylight, it has to be willing to break the shell of its own home. It has to be willing to give up everything it has ever known, because before... It knew what the day was, what the world was. It only knew the comfort of its own shell. So it doesn't know, if I break through this shell, maybe that's the end, maybe that's the death. Maybe that's the point at which my universe will come crashing down. And that's what we think about meditation. That if I lose my ego, I lose everything. But you don't lose anything you lose the thing that was restricting you. You gain so much more. By creating and doing this, the Sirjanhar, Sirjanhar, Sirjana means to create. Sirjanhar is the creator, the one who is in charge of all of this, the one who is doing this. That life energy itself has done this and now is observing this. It creates and it observes. Kar kar ve this idea has come up quite a few times already, that the Creator is watching. And it's in its very simplistic translation, we fall back into the trap of duality. Mr. God has created the world and He is looking down on the world that's very simplistic a very crude way to understand this experience that there is a creator who's sitting up in the sky he's created us and now he's sitting there judging us but guru has said this quite a few times that this thing is watching in verse 27 guruji says kar kar kita apna jif tisthi by doing so, it observes what it has done according to its own greatness. In the last verse, body 30, Guru says, O Vika, O Na the Na'ave. It sees, but the things that it's looking at can't see back. So how do we understand this? How should we understand that there is something watching? This is the clearest indicator of how you can experience this divine. How you realize this divine is understood by understanding this concept of observing and watching. Guru Nanak Dev Ji in a Shabad on Ang 152 Gauri Mahalla pehla, says something very interesting. Kathata bhakata sunata Soi. The one who speaks and listens is that one. The oneness is your speaking, and the oneness is your listening. Katata bhakta means to speak. Sunata soi. The one speaking through you is that one. The one listening is that one. God is the one talking. God is the one listening inside you. And God is also the one who is looking through your eyes. Right now, you think it's me that is observing the world through your eyes. You think it's me that's watching. But the me is just a label that we've placed on the experience of watching. Watching is happening right now. Look around you. Watching is happening. There is the seeing that is being experienced. And we have placed a label on top of that and said, me, ah, that's me. The one watching, the one doing the watching, I'm going to call that me. There is watching happening through your eyes right now but we cannot say that it is me who is watching. Who is that me? What is me? And if for just one moment, if for just one instant, you could look around and realize that the one watching is he, not me, the one watching is you, not me, then the egg will crack. This is how you crack the egg. This is what the Naam Simran does. There's no point doing Naam Simran where for the rest of your life you keep calling Mr. God. Because you never break the shell of me, then within the shell of me you can say whatever you want. You have to know that Naam Simran is to crack the egg. And how you can realize is by looking and when you look around with your own eyes you realise the one looking is He. The one that I've been calling is the one watching the world right now through my eyes. It's so close to you. It's already there. It was already placed in you that first moment that you were created. You were created out of this watching. And that care that Gurunanak keeps talking about is the key how you can realize where this God is. That's when the penny drops. That's when the delusion of home, self-identity, shatters. At any time, when you see a problem in life, when you see a challenge, when you see a difficult circumstance, an unpleasant moment in front of you, just stop and think, who is watching? Who's observing this problem? Who is the one being affected? When you realize that it isn't me, that there is no me there anymore, then the problem disappears because the one being affected by the problem disappears. This is how we can live without the ego. This is the experience. Guruji concludes by saying, Nanak Sacheki Sachikar. The permanent, says Nanak, that permanent one, this is their permanent way. This is the way. This is their creative way way. This is how they are. This is what the experience is. Nanak says sacche ki, the permanent one's permanent way, Sachikar. Nanak says this is the constant way of the one. This is how it always has been and this is how it always will be. And this is how to find your true place. This is how to find your home amongst the stars, the home amongst the light. This is how to find your asana. But in this home there's only room for one, there's not room for two. This is a home of one, a residence of one, where the One dwells within you and within all. And to this I bow, to this I bow, ādēs are ādēs, to the One who was right at the beginning, the ādh, the One who is pure, ānīl, the One who anad beyond ending, beyond beginning, ānāhat, beyond ending. Jug Jug who throughout the ages has had this only one form? I bow to this. I bow. khalsa, ki